0: The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. It's funny the things that we get overconfident about, isn't it? Uh, Whenever I was uh, a teenager, uh, I would not be considered the coolest teenager in the world um, far, far from it. I was uh, in, in most circles. I was, I was awkward. I was uh, nerdy. I was a geek. Um, I grew up in a pretty Christian home, so like we we couldn't, you know, watch like R-rated movies, and we weren't, we weren't listening to the same music that you know other people at school were listening to and whatnot. And so, and so in most circles, I was like geeky dude, right? Nerdy geeky dude, kind of out of the. Out uh, of the deal, and I would never. Uh, I know it's shocking, but I was never like on the edge of fashion or uh, cool lingo or anything. And so I, w- I was kind of the nerdy, geeky dude. But in a certain circle, uh, I was a different story. At at church, I was the golden boy. At, at church, I, I I was the cool kid in a particular. we never like cool, cool, but like I I, I uh, was always a good kid. I memorized scripture, and ever since I was. A, I can only remember ever wanting to be two things in life. Uh, whenever people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I, I only remember two answers that I really had. Uh, one was I wanted to be a preacher. My mom remembers me saying it like three or four years old, saying, "You know, that's what I wanted to be." And so here we go, dream realized. And then the second, uh, the second thing was was the president. So the, a preacher or the president of the United States was the two kind of things that I ever wanted to be growing up. But in in and because of that, in church world, I was like kind of a, the golden boy I, because I love Jesus and I love church and I love preaching and I, that's all I ever wanted to do. So I assumed growing up that that's what I was going to do. Like that's, that's my whole like identity and life was built around this idea that I was called to ministry. I was called to, to preach, to proclaim the gospel and like thousands of people were going to flock to hear me preach and it was just going to be awesome. And then something different happened. I graduated from high school and uh, I was a part of this like school theology at my church and uh, then I got married and then I got a job and then uh, never really panned out every, but every And it was still a dream that was there, but every turn I would want to try to to make the jump, something would stop me. And then I remember one day, um, I don't remember how long ago it was now, maybe six years ago or so, seven years ago. I remember waking up one day and thinking, you know what? I may never, ever preach the gospel. I may never, ever be in ministry. And I wonder if I'm okay with that. And maybe it's not you preaching or ministry, maybe it's something else in your life, but sometimes like you get overconfident in something and you think like, hey, this is what I'm about, this is my identity, it's built upon this thing. And then when that thing crumbles, one day you wake up and you're like, I don't know who I am anymore. Maybe for you it was like a dream of having a certain amount of money in your bank account or maybe it was achieving a certain dream or Uh, Realizing a certain level in your career, or marrying a certain person, or being married by a certain age, or having a certain number of kids. And you get up to a certain age, a certain time, and you realize, like, maybe this isn't going to pan out like I thought it was going to pan out. And all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you're not really sure who you are anymore. See, we all have our own stories, we all have our own roads, we all have our own journeys. And the journey that we're on rarely takes us down the path or the road that we expected or that we hoped or that we wanted. And when it does, when that happens, it leaves us in the wilderness, which is where it left Moses, this part of the story that we're in. Moses was sort of a, he wasn't just a rags to riches story. He was sort of a rags to riches to rags again story. He started out, he was born to Hebrew slaves who in uh, Egypt were just kind of scum. They were slaves. And he was slated to be killed because he was a boy who was born under the edict of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who said all baby boys should be thrown into the river Nile and killed. And his mom came with this plan, and you probably have seen the mo- one of the movies, and she stuck him in the basket and put him out in the, in the river, and... Pharaoh's daughter comes along and discovers him, and all of a sudden, this poor Hebrew slave that was slated to for forever to be certainly to be poor and certainly to be uh, at the bottom of the totem pole in Egyptian society, and at worst to be killed, all of a sudden is a member of Pharaoh's household himself. Can you imagine that? And so, from an early age, his Hebrew actual Hebrew mother. Raises him for the first two years, and then he goes and he grows up in the palace. And he, he is an Egyptian by in, in every way except blood. So much so that later on we see, when we, when we cheat ahead or behind now to whenever he comes out to the wilderness and he uh, helps out these shepherds' daughters, they, when they describe him to their father, they say an Egyptian saved us. An Egyptian came and helped us. He was an Egyptian by every standard. He was a man of great power. Think about it. If you grew up in Pharaoh's house, some of you grew up in wealthy households, and you know what it's like to be a member of an affluent household. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a member of Pharaoh's household? This isn't an elected position, by the way. Pharaoh it rules the whole land. he's the sovereign. That means everything and everybody belongs or is ultimately accountable to Pharaoh, and you are his grandson. You can do whatever in the heck you want to do. And you're rich beyond comparison and beyond belief. So you can go out, you can get the chariot, and you can... You can, uh, if you're a, kind of a redneck Egyptian, you can have it hiked up on, and on some big tires and go mud bogging and, and darken the windows. If you're kind of from the other side, you can get it lowered and get some neon underneath the chariot and drive it around. You can go as fast as you want, do whatever you want, because who's going to do anything to you? Because you are Pharaoh's grandson. You are a man of great affluence, a man of great power, and you're a man who's been incredibly well-educated. He would have been educated as in the highest way possible in the world at this time. And yet somewhere along the way, maybe it was early, maybe it was later on, but somewhere along the way, Moses realizes that he is actually a Hebrew by birth. And so he goes out one day and he's watching his people who are, He is a man of affluence, power. He's of the highest education. He can do whatever the heck he wants to do up until this point. And he's looking out over the Hebrews, and he sees an Egyptian abusing one of his now Hebrew brothers. He calls them his brothers. He identifies with them. And he, in a fit of rage, kills the Egyptian and buries him. And the word gets back to Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh hears about it, Pharaoh has a fit, and he decides he's going to kill his adopted grandson, Moses. And Moses has to flee Egypt. So all of a sudden, we have a man of great power, of great affluence, who the whole world was spread out before him. So maybe even before, we don't know how it all rolled out, but maybe but even before he identified with his brothers and sisters, the Hebrew slaves, he thought, man, I'm going to be, my life is going to be full of, of wealth and power i 'm going to be mighty beyond belief. Maybe I could even be the next pharaoh i don 't know and then then he identifies with his fellow uh, hebrews his brothers and sisters made, his plan then becomes you know what i'm going to do i'm going to free the hebrews i'm a man of great power and affluence and education and yet i identify with the hebrew slaves and i'm going to be the one that's going to deliver them and so whenever he kills that he, that egyptian he does so that later on it tells us an Acts in order to that that would be sort of like the the first the first thing that would happen in order to create an uprising and he would lead his lead the people and they would all say, oh wow, look at this. Prince Moses has come to help us. And they would all rally behind him and the Egyptians would let them go or they would become empowered. They would not be slaves anymore. Whatever his plan was ahead, but it doesn't work out. Now all of a sudden he finds himself in the wilderness. Life hasn't worked out like he thought it was gonna work. Maybe you and I can relate to that a little bit. And he doesn't just find himself in the wilderness for a little while He was 40 years old whenever he kills the Egyptian, and he's in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses is on a journey. That's what the book of Exodus is about. Just like you and I are on a journey, but sometimes it doesn't feel like a journey. Sometimes the wilderness feels like a destination. For Moses, it didn't feel like he was passing through the wilderness he lived there he met a woman there he got married there he chose a new career if you can even call it a career there and all of a sudden for 40 years four decades he's married to a different type of person than he thought he was going to be married to he's living in a different kind of place than he thought he would live and his job is totally different than what he expected the, Hebrew, the Egyptians thought shepherds were the scum of the earth. In fact, they weren't really highly regarded in any uh, people group at that time, but especially among the Egyptians. And here's this former Egyptian prince now watching sheep in the desert. And when this section opens up in chapter three, it says that he was watching or tending, depends on what your translation says, he was watching or tending the flock of his father-in-law. It wasn't even his own flock of sheep. He's working for his father-in-law, this prince of Egypt. And that word there, watching, it's a, it has to do with a, it doesn't mean like he was watching, it means he was watching and watching and watching. It has continuance to it. Four decades, he's in the wilderness, and he's watching sheep, so he has lots of time to think about all the broken dreams, and all the broken promises, where he went wrong, the mistakes that he made, what he should have done differently, what could have been done differently, how he's been wronged in his life. He was just trying to help his brothers and sisters. He was just trying to help his people, and now all he's gotten in return is pain and suffering. But what we're gonna see in this passage is the reason behind the journey, his journey in the wilderness, is that the journey in the wilderness is a journey to meet God. That was true for Moses, and it's true for you and me. The journey through the wilderness is a journey. To meet God. You see, the first thing that happened here, before Moses could be ready to meet God, before his journey took him to the side of that mountain, where he would see the bush that wasn't burning, but was burning, is that he had to be humbled. Moses is shamed. Think about it. Among all the people that he would have known growing up, and not just growing up, like it was just, it was till he was 40 years old. So he was well acquainted with power and affluence. Everybody around him would have been in that world. And now all of a sudden he finds himself year after year, day after day, shamed. Have you ever felt that? You ever looked around your life one day and thought, man, I'm ashamed of who I am. I'm ashamed of what's surrounding me. I'm ashamed of the kind of life that I'm living. I'm, Frankly, I'm ashamed of who I'm married to. I'm ashamed of my kids. These are, these are honest thoughts that we have in the quiet of the night when we're falling asleep that we don't like to share with each other. It's not something that actually comes up over coffee, usually. It's not something we talk about at small chat and parties. I'm ashamed of who I am, what I look like, where I am, what's going on, what has happened to me? Moses is ashamed, and he's also shunned by all the people that he would have considered important. Everyone who, growing up, that he would have considered, and even in his adulthood, that he would have considered had uh, that, that mattered to him. All of a sudden, he's been shunned by them. He is considered. He is. Want, he is wanted to be. They want him dead, and he's considered dead when he's gone. He's shamed and he's shunned from the people who matter to him and whose opinions matter. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you've had relationships or friendships or relationships even with other believers and all of a sudden something happened and all of a sudden you're shunned and you're considered outside of the circle that was once your circle. And you feel like you're not just passing through a wilderness, but you're living in the wilderness itself. Moses is shamed, he's shunned, and then he's forgotten. Forty years have passed. I am old enough now. Uh, I, can, I, I, I can say with some confidence I'm older than a lot of you in this room. Some of you not, but a lot of you are. This might sound ancient to you, but I'm now old enough that I, we, Megan and I were supposed to have our 20-year high school reunion this summer. 20 years. Can you imagine that? That is crazy. And I'll be honest with you, I don't remember almost any of their names. Every now and then when I'll pass one in, the, in a store or something, or they'll uh, ask to be friends on Facebook or whatnot, I'm like, I don't even know who they are. I don't re- remember them. This is 20 years ago. 20 years ago, they may have been important. They may have been a jock. They may have been a cheerleader. They may have been the president of our class. I don't know who the heck they are. A lot of time has passed since then. 40 years has passed for Moses. 40 years. They don't remember him anymore. He was a prince. He was the grandson of Pharaoh. He was the one he was sure that was going to deliver his people. And now four decades have passed. People who weren't even born then now have kids who have kids, and he's shamed, and he's shunned, and he's forgotten, and not only that, but he's old. He's 80 years old now. I don't know how you pictured your life. Maybe you thought, hey, by the time I'm 25, X is going to have happened in my life. By the time I'm 35, X is gonna have happened. And when I'm 40, like you, we all have these sort of goals and dreams, and sort of, it's sort of like, hey, like, hey, like, next week I'm gonna start my diet, and then next week, like, well, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's Columbus Day. I should probably wait another. You know, cause somebody might bring in some cupcakes for Columbus Day, so I don't want to like spoil that. And you know, they they've worked really hard for it. So maybe next week. And so we all kind of do that with life. Like maybe next year is going to be different. Next year I'm going to have my life together. Next year my the kids are going to be under control. Next year my house is going to be whatever whatever it is that you hope. Or maybe it's bigger things. Your career, your dreams, your marriage. And year after year passes. And somewhere along the way, one morning you wake up and you realize, I'm not going to be the person I thought I was going to be. I'm not going to live the way I thought I was going to live. And people aren't going to look at me the way I pictured them looking at me whenever I was 18, 19, 20 years old and full of dreams and hopes for the future. Moses is shamed and he's shunned and he's forgotten and he's old And he's finally ready. (laughs) Moses is shamed. He's shunned. He's forgotten. He's old. But now he's finally ready. Because see, this is the journey that God takes us on to reveal himself to us. Because it's in the wilderness that we are humbled It's in the wilderness all of a sudden when we wake up one morning, we realize I don't have any other plans. I don't have any other hopes. I don't have any other dreams. I'm here empty-handed with empty hopes, and I don't know what the future will hold. Then you're ready. When you're shamed and shunned and forgotten, and you're older than you thought you were going to be, and time has passed, and you're not going to be what you hoped, life isn't going to be what you hoped, then, then you are ready. We see this in the result, uh, this result of this in Moses' heart and his response to God. When God appears to him and he, he sees the bush and he goes up on the side of the mountain and he, God calls to him and Moses comes to him in verse 11, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? All of a sudden this cocky, confident, well-educated, affluent, powerful man who had decided at age 40 that he was gonna free his people and they didn't respond and he made a rash decision. He was gonna be the one that was gonna deliver them. All of a sudden when God comes to him and he appears to him in a bush that's burning but yet never burns up on the inside of the mountain and he comes to him and he says, come to me and take off your your shoes. Don't come any further because this is holy ground. All of a sudden, Moses who am I? I'm nobody. So here's the truth. You're never any use to God. You can take this quote to the bank. This is a quote by Tim Keller. You're never any use to God unless you feel absolutely useless in general. You're never any use to God until you feel absolutely useless in general. Because anytime that you come to God with your own answers, any bit, you're like, God, I need 95% help, but I got the other 5% covered. You're trusting in something other than him. And it's only when you lack confidence in anything other than him that he's able finally to reveal himself to you. You're never any use to God until you feel absolutely useless in general. What's that wilderness for you? Maybe you're in one right now. It's a dark time. You feel alone and useless. Life isn't working out like you had hoped it to work out. I have some good news for you. That's right where God wants you. And it's there that you meet him. It's there all of a sudden when there's nothing else going on in your life, when you finally see the bush burning on the side of the mountain. Moses met God in humility, but then he also met God in his holiness. Look at this exchange that happens. Moses said, I will... This is before the passage we read this morning. I will turn aside to see this great sight. He sees the, the bush that's burning and why it's not burned. And the, the Lord saw that he turned aside and God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God and then God begins to talk with him Moses met God in his holiness and it's only whenever we come to an end of ourselves and we are humbled and humiliated and we have no other hope and no other help and we're shamed and we're shunned we feel forgotten we feel old and we feel like we're broken we don't have anything to bring to the table all of a sudden all of a sudden then we see him and we meet someone who is other than us that's the first thing Moses encountered when he encountered God. When he walked to see this bush, he realized that God was there and God is other than him. God is other than us. God is other than you. I don't even know a better way to say it. What do you mean other? That's, you keep saying the same word over and over again and I don't know what you mean by that. I, I can't explain it other than he is other. He's not like anybody else you've ever met think of the most powerful, most important, most beautiful person you've ever met. Maybe you stood in a little bit of awe of them. That is only an inkling of what it's like to stand in the presence of God himself, the one who created and sustains the world. He is other than you and me. That's why he said, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. He is, he's not like you are You and me, you you can't come up and shake his hand. It's not giving him a high five. We don't have anybody who has an encounter with God in his glory who doesn't do anything except hide their face, fall on their face, fall down as if dead. They cannot stand in his presence. He is absolutely and utterly other than us. And it's when we are humbled and we have no other thing left, nothing left. No other no other nothing else in our cartridge, nothing else in our in our bat belt left to to answer our problems that we come and meet him, and when we meet him, we realize he is other than me. He is worthy of glory and honor and praise. He's not just like a Santa Claus up there to help me in my time of need. He is the God, the Lord, the ruler, the creator, the sustainer of heaven and earth. And the second thing he realized when he came into the presence of God is that God is pure. Again, I can't even find the right word to describe it. He is pure. He's good. He is, the, the, the word that the Bible uses is that he is righteous. It doesn't even really resound with us as modern people, but it it is it's pictured here in this encounter with the fact that when Moses encounters God, he encounters him in Fire. Fire is flaming, it is powerful, it burns up impurities, it, it devours things. God is holy and just and righteous, and so therefore, that's why he says, Moses, you can't come any closer, because though he called Moses to come, Moses, and being a human being who is sinful and broken and frail, he cannot come to God by himself, he would be though cons- the bush wasn't consumed, he would be consumed. Moses met God in His holiness. He is other than us. He is holy and righteous and pure and good. He is the very He is burning goodness. He is bu- burning purity. And then he encounters a God who is not just good and pure and other, but He is supernatural. Supernatural. Here's God. He's a God who we'll get to in a second. He's a God he can actually talk to, he can communicate with, he can, he, he can, he can have a conversation with him, and yet, and yet he is supernatural. There's something special and holy and different about this encounter. He is pure and he is good and he is holy and he is just and he is other and he is supernatural he is above and beyond the natural that you and I see and feel and there's something about coming in contact with God that all of a sudden it puts this real in perspective tomorrow morning or this afternoon when you and I go home we're going to be surrounded and confronted and 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 really suffocated with what seems real your dead end job is is real. Your your broken marriage is real. Your 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 uh, your. The, whenever somebody pulls out in front of you on five hundred one, that is real. and That's going to feel like like it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be pounding upon you that this is ultimate reality. But whenever you have seen God. When you felt the burning from that bush, when you was stood in his presence, when you've heard his words roll over you like thunder, and yet like a soft whisper at the same time, all of a sudden it puts that reality in perspective. He is supernatural. I heard a guy named Louis Giglio one time speak on this passage, and when God communicates himself, which you're getting ready to get to, and And he says, I am, this is my name, this is who I am, all of a sudden it's then. And I think it is at this moment that Moses realized, you are and I am not. When you meet God in his holiness, when Moses met God in his holiness, it became painfully real that he is and I am not. Moses met God in humility. He met God in his holiness. Moses met God, and his life was changed. Moses stands before God and he and he's he, he God says, I have a plan for you. I'm going to send you to the Egyptians and you're going to free my people. And Moses says, Who am I to even go to them? All, he's. He's, he's like, I'm nobody now. God, maybe before I was the person you could have chosen, that would have been a good time when I actually had standing in Egyptian society and I had some money and I, I was, I was, people knew me. I was well-known. I was a known commodity. Now, God, in case you have forgotten, I'm not complaining, but I'm telling you, I'm old, I'm forgotten, I'm shunned, I'm nobody. I'm a shepherd out in the middle of Midian who's been shamed and they want me dead, by the way, the very place that you're trying to send me back to. They want me dead there, God, by the way. That was, I, I? didn't say that out loud, but he was running through the back of his head, I would imagine, some form of that. And then he says, all right, all right, verse 13, he says, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel, okay, let's say I do what you're asking me to do, and if I come to them and say to them, hey, hey guys, you probably don't remember me, I was here four decades ago and I killed a man, and then I was chased out of town, and you guys even mocked me on my way out, and uh, I'm back, and, and I'm here to deliver you. Well, come on, let's go. And he's like, hey, God, this doesn't sound like a very good plan to me. Then Moses said to God, if I, okay, if I come to people and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, here's my answer. I am who I am. That's a baller answer. I am who I am. It's almost like God is saying, I don't even know how to answer your question. Nobody named me. I just always existed. Who's going to name me? Who's going to give me a name? I am. And outside of me, nothing exists. I am. Existence exists. Within my existence, I am. But you hear Say this to the people of Israel. Which I can imagine Moses when he answers Moses that way, I am who I am. I would imagine Moses shut up right then. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. He is. And he always has been and he always will be. Nothing exists outside of him. That's who you tell them, I, who's sending you. And when you and I, when we are humbled and we meet God in his holiness, we meet a God who is, he is the, we realize that he is the source of all existence. All existence exists inside his existence. And if he doesn't exist, nothing else exists. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. I can't explain it to you. Is true because he is unexplainable. He's uncontainable. He's unimaginable. He is unfathomable. He is. He is now. He was, if you can even say yesterday, and he will be tomorrow. He just is. That's who he is. And that's the first realization we have when we meet him is we realize that he is. All existence exists by him and for him. He says, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That's what you tell them. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Not only he is, but it's interesting that they say when the, this first, uh, uh, when he says, I am who I am, that depending on how they translate this whole lot of uh, controversy and how it should be translated, but uh, one could be, and one of the, part of the controversy is that it has to do with being, like the word is, I is who I is. If you're from where I grew up in the, in the country in Horry County, I is who I is. That's, that's who he is. He is always is. I am who I am. But yet it also is saying, I cause to be what I cause to be. Not only have I always existed, but everything that you know I caused it to be, just because I caused it to be. I not just who I am, but I'm the cause. He is. He is the cause of all it is, and then something else that we see in this in this exchange is that he is personal. Think about that. The God of heaven and earth. Met a forgotten, shamed old man on the backside of the desert and had a conversation with him. And he didn't just have a conversation with him, but he listened to Moses when Moses said some stupid things in this passage, right? When God tells him to go and he's like, Who am I? To simply like, Well, God picked you. Like, it's, you know, you don't get to choose. God chose you, 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 you go but yet he counters. Every time God says something, Moses says something back and God responds to him authoritatively, but yet understandably and lovingly. He is this mighty, powerful God who is other. He is righteous and pure and good. He is holy. He is supernatural. He is. He always has been. He's the causation of everything that is and yet he is personal. He can have a he's one you can have a personal relationship with. But maybe you're wondering like, what do I do with that? There's no burning bush around me. But here's what I know. The journey through the wilderness is a journey to meet God, but you have to go through the wilderness. You have to come to an end in yourself. So maybe now, personally, you're going through some type of wilderness, some type of dry spell, some type of darkness, but things haven't worked out the way that you hoped they would work out. But it's not until you come to an end of yourself and you are humbled and you realize, I don't have anything to bring to the table. It's there when you are shunned and shamed and forgotten that God will meet you. Here's the interesting thing. When Moses says, when he, asks, when, he, when he first encounters God, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. What he was telling Moses, he says, I'm sending you to deliver them, but I'm sending you because I have come down to deliver them. The great I am who I am, the I am, the he is who always has been, he has come down himself to deliver his people just the way he did in John 8, 58, when when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he stood before them and he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, what? I am. I am the God who is other. The God who is holy. The God who is supernatural. The God who is all powerful. Came down to deliver us in Jesus. The great I am. And that whole thing about Moses, when he approached God and he said, God said, stop, take your shoes off, but he doesn't say to come any further. He says, stop right there. You can't come any closer for where you're standing is holy ground. It's because there was a deliverance that was deeper than just the Israelites needing to be taken out of Egypt. They were, his people were sinful and broken and they were separated from him and he would send a deliverer one day. The Great I Am Himself, the Second Person of the Godhead, who would come to deliver His people. So this morning, maybe you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you've known the story, you've known the deal, but... You've kind of been a 95, 5% guy, or maybe you're an 80%, 20% guy. And you're like, hey, God, I'll trust you whenever I need you, but I got this other part covered. And then all of a sudden, maybe today is the day that you realize, hey, I'm in the backside of this desert, the backside of this wilderness, and I don't have any other hope. Would this be the morning that you would say, I'm 100% hopeless? But God, I place myself 100% at your feet and trust in the deliverance that the great I am procured for me by a sacrificial death on my behalf on the cross. And if you're here and you're a believer, maybe you have experienced a wilderness. Maybe your life has been or is dry and dusty. Life hasn't worked out like you hoped it would work out and you feel forgotten and shunned. Don't run around in the wilderness and waste energy trying to figure out how you got here and what you could have done differently, because that's not the point. The journey to meet God lies through the wilderness, and that's the point. It would bring us an end of ourselves for him to reveal himself to us in a greater and deeper way. I pray we would live lives of emptiness and helplessness. And then this is the last thing we're done. God had a mission for Moses. When Moses said in verse 11 that he wasn't qualified, who am I? It's interesting that God didn't object, isn't it? God didn't say, hey, no, no, Moses, you're a really cool guy, and I prepared you for this. You have just the gifts and talents for this moment. He said, What what was his reply? In verse 12, he said, yeah, maybe you're right. But, verse 12, but I will be with you. Moses didn't just meet God on the side of that mountain. God went with him. And whenever he journeyed back through the wilderness to Egypt to free his people, he journeyed with God. And that's the assurance that you and I can have as we journey through life on the mission that God has sent us on, that he goes with us. We're empty, we're poor, we don't have what we need to do the job, yes. But I will be with you. The journey in the wilderness is a journey to meet God. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning, and uh, I know that I feel all the time that my hands are empty, God, I feel try. God, if if I'm honest in front of just these couple of friends here, God, I often feel uh, shamed and shunned and forgotten. God, I pray that for each of us that feels that way, I pray you would reveal yourself to us. I pray you would help us not to run around the desert and the wilderness wondering how this happened, but that we would deep down accept the work of the wilderness in our hearts to humble us and awaken us to our need for you. And God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in powerful ways. And I pray for powerful, supernatural encounters with you this morning, this coming week, the coming days ahead for each person in this room. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today.